Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, looks like we've sorted out our audio issues. I'm hoping that when we listen back to this, we won't sound like we're underwater or that we're on AM radio, but I guess it had a nice little throwback classic feel. Yeah, it certainly did. It sounded like you were listening to WFAN or WIP for those Philadelphians out there. But speaking of throwbacks, Eugene, it was nice to see uh, Villanova go back to its old ways of hitting long threes and coming, bouncing back after losses. Yeah, as we've talked about on the show many times in past seasons and maybe even a little bit last time, if there's one thing that Villanova is very good at, it's bouncing back after a loss. And Tuesday night was no different. Villanova coming in, staying in Bubbleville, extended stay, improving a 3-1 and one under the Dome. Bouncing back with an 87-53 to win over the Hartford Hawks. What was nice about it, Chris, was not only was it good to get back in the winning side, nail those long threes, but it felt like everybody was contributing. Six different cats and double figures. And not only that, 40 bench points. When was the last time we had 40 bench points? I feel like it definitely didn't happen last year, but it's been a while. It felt like it's been a while, and I know Hartford isn't, like, top tier or whatever, but it was nice to see everybody get involved. For sure. We really haven't had this much bench production since the days of Dante when he would go off every so often for his his big performances, especially in the tournament. But, yeah, this this was great to see. I I know we kind of missed it on Tuesday's episode, but there was that article in the Philly Inquirer that quoted Jay saying that he basically he messed up with his bench uh, handling saying he should have played the guys more and he relied too many on the, too much on the vets. And I'm like, Oh my God, wow. I can't believe that, you know, he outwardly came out and said that to the media. And, you know, my, my problems with the bench on Tuesday's episode really wasn't so much that they weren't playing as much as so much that it just seems like there's just a lack of production there and a lack of uh, high-end talent. And, you know, that's I'm not expecting everyone on the bench to come in and be, you know, Dante 2.0. But, you know, you would like a little bit more production and a little bit more than just like a one-dimensional person like Swider is, like with the three-point shooting and whatnot. But they came out to play t- uh, on Tuesday, for sure. Eric Dixon had his breakout game. We got to see why everyone's hyping him up, finishing with a double-double. Cole Swider came out, hit some big threes, some long threes, 13 points. And then Brandon Slater even got off. Brandon Slater firing I, away. Man, it's it was great to see him knock down some shots. Now, I don't know if, if he's going to be involved from here on out with the offense, uh, offensive game plan, but if they're going to leave him open and he's going to hit him, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. If he's Keep that up. Like, that was great to see. Uh, you really don't see him shoot many threes, if at all. And if he does, he really doesn't make them. But to see him you know, get involved offensively was – a real nice sight to see. And then the starters were pretty good, too. Well, we Obviously, the bench is probably the bigger talking point here. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we lamented about the bench last time. And for me, the biggest stress was not so much production, but, you know, how can you get a chance to produce if you're not getting minutes? And, you know, we saw Slater and Dixon only get a couple minutes here and there. Cole Swider got sprinkled in a little more than they did. But overall, it was the starting five shouldering what 35 plus minutes each now with Hartford we talked about how this would be a get right game not only that but we saw Jay Wright make up for those mistakes he definitely learned from that and we got to give him credit for it because we lamented about it a lot of people did he manned up to it admitted his mistake and then first game back Chris Archie Diakono comes out in the first half 
Brandon Slater is getting big minutes. And yeah. then it's like, oh, wow. We're, oh, okay. Oh, we're going deep. Oh, we're going all the way towards the end here. We already got yeah. all the guys out. So that was when I knew, okay, Jay's not messing around. He's actually giving everybody a little turn here. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think Caleb Daniels got into early foul trouble as well. And I think that kind of Played sped into things it. up. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it sped things up in terms of how he was going to utilize the bench. It really did. And to the to your point about Slater, I believe he drained more threes or just as many threes as he did on Tuesday night as he did in the entire – all of last season, the entire 2019-20 season. It wouldn't shock me. I mean, we got to do a fact check on that, but I, I'll take your word for it. It's It was it was nice to see him get his shooting stroke back because, uh, let's be honest, like we haven't seen him do anything offensively the past couple of years. Yeah, we'd seen little glimpses here and there of his athleticism, mostly on the defensive end. I believe he had one nice dunk a couple years back or maybe last year, and that was like, wow. So, you know, you just thought if he could just put it together, take his talents, his athleticism, put it together, he can find a way to contribute on the offensive end. This guy was a four-star recruit out of high school for a reason. And, Chris, I did double-check. Yes, he went three of 20 last year from the three-point line, and that's the entire 2019-20 season. Three for three cash money against the Hartford Hawks. Talk about a get right game. Yeah, exactly. I think that this is one of those games where you just need to see the ball go in and not have the high pressure of like a close game. And, you know, I know we talked about how, oh, we're trimming the fat this season or uh, not too many cupcakes. I feel like this game came at a right time and it was mm-hmm. nice to see such balanced production. Six cats and double figures, as we mentioned. The bench production was great, 40 total points. You had Dixon coming in with a double-double, 14 points, 10 boards. Swider and Slater hitting their threes, chipping in 13 points apiece. Justin Moore led the way with 15 points. Colin mm-hmm. Gillespie had 10. Caleb Daniels with 11. Jeremiah Robinson, a quieter game on the scoring end. Didn't take too many shots, only had two points on one of five shooting. But the man grabbed 10 boards. And then Jermaine Samuels, he was pretty efficient, four or five on the floor. Nine points, four boards, three assists. All in all, a pretty good game. Chris Archie Diakono got to play for seven minutes, which was good. It's probably like the, his longest outing in a while. So it yeah. was a nice game for the Cats to just get that winning feeling again. Definitely. When Chris Arch is brought out in the first half, you know, you know the game's going a certain way. I will say this, Jermaine Samuels, I, I kind of want to just talk about him for a bit. And look, I, I know Hartford's not the best team. And talent disparity was pretty obvious especially early on. Jermaine Samuels going out there and, like, driving to the rim was was nice to see and taking advantage of it. Like, that that was nice. Like, obviously, like, like I said, the, the, talent, the talent disparity is there, but what, what would be the alternative? Him not doing that? Would you rather see him not doing that and not putting up points and getting to the rim and making moves at the basket? Like, no. You would like to see him do what he's supposed to do, and he did exactly that because he was pretty invisible the first, few, uh, first three games offensively. And then Dixon with his breakout game. I, I think we got to talk about this guy a little bit more, Eugene. Oh, like that, that was a big house. boy performance. House. He is a house. He is a housey dude. Very housey. They, even, they said on the broadcast that it's more – it is apparent that the whole team in general just looks more muscular <laughs> and ready to play. And I hate to admit this, but I kind of said the same thing after the first game. I'm like – I go to my brother. I'm like, oh, yeah, they look – they look bigger. They were definitely in the gym a lot. I was like, he's like, yeah, I, I happen to agree. 
Oh yeah, but, Shaq. Shaq fit definitely did not slack off during quarantine. He made sure everybody did not sag off. You know, gave them some at home workouts, some body weight workouts to do while they're locked in the room. It was good to see him bully some people underneath and and show the potential of what he can become. Now, look, six again, I know offensive rebounds. Insane. Yeah, six. Six. Six of his ten six. were offensive. Absurd. He was getting second chances left and right. The man just bullied people, and it was it was so cool. I even he even took a three. I saw that. He wanted it to go in. It didn't, but I wanted it to go in. So did I. If you can if you can have that. Oh baby. Especially for those bench guys, like I feel like Dixon needed that. Like he needed that moment where he can just go out there, go to work for an extended period of time. Double double. Maybe Jay will look at this like, okay, I can trust this guy more. I can give him more than four minutes. I can give him more than six minutes. And then Brandon Slater, we talked about how he hasn't exactly been the greatest contributor on the offensive end. He's got the athleticism, defensive stuff. But for him to see the ball go through the basket, maybe he'll be a little more assertive. Maybe he'll have a little more confidence in his shot. Man went three right. for three from deep. Was it like right. when Eric Pascal started, what, what did he shoot for <laughs> during that championship run? He One started of 20. The, yeah, like <laughs> two of 29 Some, or, you know, yeah, 4% basically. Basically. And then, the, the last month or so, he shot the lights out. Like, maybe this is a turning point for him. Who knows? I hope so. And then the guy I highlighted earlier with Samuels, it sounds a lot like Slater, what you, what you were just saying about him, with confidence and all. Like, Jermaine's the ultimate confidence player. <laughs> if the dude's feeling confident, he's going to play well. If he's not, he's going to be very passive. So, you know, like you said, maybe this is the game – these guys find a little bit of footing and they're like, oh, you know, maybe I'll take it to the rim more often. Oh, maybe I'll move the ball or pass the ball around to an open guy more often because I trust him more. Some some crazy stuff like that because the offense did look significantly better than they did against Virginia Tech. Yeah, it might also just be developing that chemistry. And I know a lot of these guys are returners, but you still want to have that gel. You still want to have that vibe. And clearly they missed out on those preseason reps, the preseason scrimmages, exhibitions, as we've talked about before. So I feel like having this quote-unquote cupcake was good for them in that regard to just get a win, get everybody involved, watch everybody produce. It was a nice 30 points. Great. <laughs> Not sweating one out this time. Can't yeah, do it was, for four, day, four games yeah. in a row. Can't do it for yeah. four games in a row. <laughs> this was definitely much easier on the heart than the past three. This is also kind of the game that I think we were envisioning against Boston College. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this is actually what I had in mind for Boston College. And platoon swaps, everybody out. Chris Archidiacono <laughs> dropping points. Oh well. Oh well. At least they got it in. At least they got the game in. They got four down, one three of them, all in a bubble. You know, good start to the season. I will touch upon Hartford just for a tiny bit because I guess I have to give Tracy Carter credit. Yeah. It'll be the last time he will face Villanova in his career. I, I can safely say that unless somehow he magically squeezes out a seventh year of eligibility. But even on the broadcast, they were talking about like, wow, this guy's played Villanova on three different teams. And then the other guy was like, that's astonishing. Yeah, they were uh, they were just as shocked as we were on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a solid game. You he know, did. 13 points, 5 of 10, 4 boards. But yeah, ultimately, he, you know, just not enough not enough firepower for the Hawks to keep up. No, not at all. Especially when Moses Flowers goes one of nine from the field and over four from deep. He didn't get his first basket until I believe late in the second half. And he yep. was, he dropped 24 the previous game against UConn. He's like one of the leading returning scorers, if not the leading returning scorer. Like uh, you're not going to, they're not going to win many games if Moses is uh, doing any 
something like that. Yeah, exactly. And it just became so clear from the opening 10 minutes that Nova was not playing around. Not playing around. No, I think their first, like, six shots were all threes, which is kind of funny because we were saying that Hartford has a pretty good three-point defense. (laughs) And then we learned that it is – basically competition as to why it was so low <laughs> the hartford uh, three-point defense percentage yeah what was it like sub 29 percent but then it's yeah. mostly because of the you know we were talking about is it because of the opponents they played is it because of america east this and that mm-hmm. yeah it was, it was it was because of the opponents they played yeah villanova attacked it immediately and proved we can still hit these it was a nice way to end their time at the bubble i'm not anticipating any surprises in terms of, you know, a Thursday game getting scrambled together or a Friday game getting scrambled together because they do have Texas coming up this weekend. And that's going to be a lot of fun. We're looking forward to that matchup with the Longhorns. The next entry in the Big 12 Big East Challenge. We say bye-bye to Bubbleville. Finally out of there. We didn't even go there, so I don't even know why I said we're finally out of there. But the team's finally out of there. Get a few more days. Hopefully they got excused from the finals. I, I hear this is a pretty busy week on campus. A big one coming up on Sunday. The Texas Longhorns, who, you know, going into the year, I, I had my thoughts about them. But after seeing them hang on, beat UNC in dramatic fashion. They also had a dramatic win over Davidson early in the year. But they're coming in 4-0. Chris, what's the deal with the Longhorns? Who should we watch out for? What's their story? Yeah, Eugene, to your point about this uh, being a little bit more concerning, yeah. When we first did our initial preview show, I was like, all right, this is going to be a tough game regardless. You're going into Texas. It's, they're a good team, all that stuff, road game. Always, always tough, always tough. Now, terrified. Why? Because I don't, I don't see, like, a glaring weakness with this team. Right now, they're number four in Kempom compared to Villanova at number three overall. Defensively, Texas is second in the nation in adjusted defense. Second. That is um, that's going to be tough. If you struggled against a Virginia Tech team, which is currently sitting at 31, God only knows what Texas is going to do defensively. And on the offensive end, they're 15th. Villanova's four, so you can obviously outscore them. And that would be nice. <laughs> but Texas is 15th. So there's like, it's not like there's slashes on the offensive end and they just play a hard defensive game. They do both. They can score and they can defend. And it kind of all starts with Matt Coleman the third. Dude's averaging 16 points a game. He's the senior leader, senior guard, does it all. Hit the game. He, speaking of that dramatic win against UNC, he hit the game-winning shot. And, you know, Texas was up big in that game. They were up 12 at halftime. UNC clawed their way back, but they were able to dig down deep and win that game. Matt Coleman dropped 22 in that game. He's not to be messed around with. He is going to uh, potentially make Villanova's lives a little miserable. But then also with this dual guard combo is Courtney Ramey. Now that might sound a little familiar to Villanova fans, and Eugene, thank you for pointing this out to me pre-show, but he was a top target of Villanova for recruiting. Instead, of Villanova went with someone else. He will not mention his name yet. And he's doing pretty well at Texas. As a junior, he's averaging 15 points a game. Slasher gets to the bucket. And he's having some mild success from beyond the arc, shooting about 36%, and overall shooting about 42%. He's also improved his free throw shooting significantly, shooting around 90% in free throws. So he's, he's pretty good all around. So now those are your dual, co- dual guards, which always seems to give Villanova problems. Shout-outs to UConn and NC State. But now you've got the Joneses, 
Andrew Jones guard and Kai Jones forward. Both double-digit scorers, both problems, uh, especially Kai Jones underneath. And then you have Jericho Sims, who's the team's leading rebounder. Doesn't score as much, but he grabs a lot of boards. And Greg Brown, who also starts for the Longhorns, uh, big boy underneath. He's dropped 10 points against UNC and grabbed six boards. And he's the sec- team's second leading rebounder. So they're, they're rolling six deep pretty pretty significantly. They also got Brock Cunningham forward. So like you, they're rolling six to seven guys who can all legitimately play pretty well. And I just don't see where, you know, where they let up. I don't know what you have to say. It's crazy because, you know, Shaka Smart, although he's retired the Havoc brand that he made so famous at VCU earlier in the decade when they had that nice little run of success before he came to Texas, still kept that hard-nosed defensive identity. And as we saw, they're great at defending the three-point line. They don't really give teams that much success over there. Opponents are only shooting just about 20% from long range, which is very, very little. And then just overall, they play pretty good interior defense. They don't force as many turnovers and steals as a classic Havoc VCU defense. They just man up and get the job done that way, or they just look to lock you down. You look at the athletic guards, especially Courtney Ramey, could be a problem. We've seen what these athletic guards can do against Nova, at least early on so far in the season. I could see it being a little bit troublesome. Nice balanced team. Sure, Ramey and Coleman, they definitely step up to the forefront, but just overall, you got the Joneses who can play keeping up with the Joneses and you got the rebounders who can chip in a few points here and there and Sims and Brown. I don't know, Chris, this is, this is tough. This is tough. Especially after watching that UNC game, they, they play pretty well. I don't know if it's going to be as confident as I felt going into the year, but this will definitely be a, a huge gut check close grinded out, especially on the road. For sure. We're going to learn a lot about this team in this game. Not, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to reveal all flaws or it's not going to reveal all good, but it, it, you're going to learn a lot. You know, Hartford was nice. Nice little cupcake. Get the confidence back, whatnot. But you're going to learn a lot about yourselves on the road in your first true road test, I should say, outside this bubble and against the number four team in the nation, according to Ken Palm. That Hartford game, granted, came into as, as heavy favorites, won in lopsided fashion. Wasn't exactly against a quality opponent, but I feel like it came at a great time. End your trip in the bubble after a tough loss. We mentioned it last time, it was kind of like a get-right game. And hopefully it can be a turning point for those guys off the bench. Hopefully we'll see Jay continue to go trust those guys a little bit more, give them a few more minutes. Brandon Slater, if this is the turning point where he can get that shot to drop, if he just need to see the ball go through the net, hopefully this can be a game where he can sneak in another dozen. And then you got Cole Swider, hopefully he can knock down some threes. And then Eric Dixon, okay, you made your statement against Hartford. Let's see what you can do against some bigger boys, and I hope he's up for the challenge. I have faith in him because he's looked impressive so far, and hopefully Jay really can trust in him. I, I hope so. He has to play. The bench he's is going to be play. crucial. It, we can't do the whole ride or die with the five, the starting five. Just can't. You can't, no. And I hope Jay does not revert back to his old ways. As we talked about earlier, he did admit we had to go to the bench more, and I hope it continues even in a big game like this. Like Hartford, you can do that and get away with it regardless of what happens in that game because you're probably going to win regardless. But against Texas, you got to use these guys to their fullest potential. Swider's got to go out there and hit some big threes. Slater's got to go out there, and like you said, maybe he gets involved offensively. I don't see it against the number two defense in the nation, but maybe he does. And if Hopefully he can, they sleep on him, Chris. Hopefully they sleep on him. If he can sneak up on them, a little bit of a sneak attack, corner three, pop, 
like he was against Hartford, that would be awesome. Eric Dixon, got to go out there and play some bully ball. Get underneath the rim. Go up and get six offensive rebounds again. No, no I'm kidding. He's not going it, to – it would be incredibly tough for him to do that again against these guys. But if he does – like, just do, give me some type of effort like that. And, you know, it would be awesome to see, like, Eric Dixon really go out there against such a big team and, like, a good rebounding team and a good defensive team and, like, show up. Like, that would be so cool to see him announce himself in that fashion. And obviously, look, like, the starters obviously have to perform too. Like, JRE – Two down games in a row. Hey, man, ESPN game against one of the best teams in the country. Here's your time to shine, man. I know he's going to sh- shoot up draft boards anyway, regardless of what happens this season, but it, here's your time to shine. Really put like a statement game, kind of like Mikael Bridges against Gonzaga, you know, with that whole chase down block and whatnot. Everyone's like, oh, there's that, that guy's good at basketball. Should probably draft him in the lottery. So this is your time to shine, man. And I think the forwards are going to play key, are going to be extremely key in this. Kempom has it pretty much as a coin toss. Slight edge to the Longhorns, giving them a 56% chance to win. Predicts a final score of 67 to 66. What are your thoughts on how this game will play out? I, oof. It's really tough to go against the home team in this. And I know, I know it's not, I don't think it's going to be a full house. I, I, I'm not exactly sure on Texas's fan policy. But just to go there. <laughs> Texas is playing really good and it's definitely recency bias here where Texas is coming off four wins in a row one of them being UNC and beating absolutely beating down a decent Indiana team meanwhile Villanova comes off a loss against Virginia Tech and then you know yeah they beat up on Hartford but again it's Hartford so I don't know maybe if Villanova won all four I'd be like heck yeah we're gonna go in there and beat them good it's tough to go against Texas in this one i Shaka start smart and his defense concerned me a lot. I do think Nova can pull this one out. It's definitely going to be a gut check game. It's not going to be as comfortable as maybe I thought it was going to be going into the year where I thought maybe Nova by a dozen or, you know, a little bit of separation, eight or nine. I think this one will go right down to the wire and Nova pulls it out by four. All right. I'll hold you to it. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying they can't go in there, but I, 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 I'm with Kempom. This is a coin flip. It's just, I don't know. Maybe, I think I just like deferring to home teams in games like these. And like I said, I don't know what the fan policy is, but I still think there is some truth to the fact that, you know, being at home in a routine and whatnot, I think it helps. So that's why I'm a little hesitant to go with Villanova. But I can totally see Villanova going out there and and beating them. Yeah. Well, Nova will actually, you know, they'll be rested for probably the most since that first game (laughs) against against Boston College. What is it, like four days? Five days? I can't count. It's, yeah, Tuesday to to Saturday. That's five days. So plenty of time to rest up. You have a nice long flight ahead of you. I'm assuming they're flying. So. Oh, yeah. You already know they got the chart, the private plane. Oh, of course. Of course. That's true. Commercial? Come on. No, no, no. I know, I know. That's for the Mac. <laughs> I know. That's a terrible mentality that I had right there. Tough game on the road. I just have a hard time picking against the home team. That's it. It's it's simple as that. But I, I really hope we come back here on Tuesday and we're like, all right, this team's for real. Who, why did we ever doubt them? That Virginia Tech thing was a hoax. It's all a joke. Like, <laughs> it's November. Why are we freaking out about November losses? You know. I can totally see that happening. Who needs football on Sunday? 1 p.m. tip-off, right. right on ESPN. Chris, I hope the Packers aren't playing because you better watch this game. 
Well, well at they, Texas. Are, they are playing at 4.30 against oh, the, the Eagles, nonetheless. Oh, so there you go. It a, is, lot of, a lot of time. So lot everyone of time. will be able to watch this game. Oh, yeah. Wait, good. Also, great point. Okay, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Okay. Yes. Could be a nice double feature for yeah, those Eagles fans. Yeah, you watch the 1 o'clock game. Or you watch – no, don't watch the 1 o'clock games. You watch the Villanova game at 1, yeah. and it transitions right into Packers-Eagles. Once again, you can catch the Villanova-Texas game, a battle of top 25-ranked teams, this Sunday, 1 p.m., early game, on ESPN, more ESPN action. They haven't started on Fox Sports 1 yet, I just realized. Yeah, I'm missing those productions, man. You know, we always complain that, oh, ESPN doesn't talk about us, ESPN, obviously – because of the TV rights and whatnot, but I, I'd rather watch a game on Fox Sports 1, let's be honest. Is, is it at the point now where Chris is used to Fox Sports 1? I remember in the beginning, it was kind of like, oh, what is this? What is Fox they, Sports they, 1? They, they, uh, their production at first was a little little lackluster. There was, there was some growing pains, you know, growing new network. Especially sophomore year. Ooh, that was a, a little rough, but Hey, you got Bill Rafferty, Gus Johnson calling games. I mean, even their, like, secondary squads. Get the Fox Sports 1 score bug, and then it starts to feel like Big East basketball, you know? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's starting to feel like home. Yeah, it, it really is. One more thing I wanted to bring up to your attention before we dive into the mailbag is I'm sure you saw. I'm hyped, even though fans will not be allowed. But Villanova, Virginia – Sharpie. Well, that's probably the wrong use of that. But they're locked in for Saturday, December 19, 8 p.m. tip-off at Madison Square Garden. Why it's there, we don't know. We don't make the rules. But no fans will be allowed. However, it's good to know that the game will definitely be on. Nice little holiday treat. Would have been nice if fans were allowed to go, but obviously this is the world we live in. That would have been such a lit game to go to. But you know, hopefully Villanova and Virginia both kind of rise their way back up through the rankings so we can get a little bit more of a top billing. Not that it wasn't going to be a top billed game, but of course Villanova and Virginia had to lose week one. So now they're sitting at 12 and 15 respectively. We'd like to see that be like a top five thing. So hopefully you got what, yeah, a couple of weeks to build that back up. It'd be cool. I know you were there at the last meeting at the Wells Fargo Center when Dante had that tip in. That, that looked like it was fun. I was. Yeah, it was a great time. Great time. Would kill to uh, be in a type of environment like that again. Yeah, who knows when that'll be. Hopefully soon, but who knows. Yeah, and I'm not even just speaking in terms of uh, COVID-related. It was just, you know, I I think I mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but Virginia brought down a lot of fans. So, like, you had a lot of uh, back and forth going on. So it was just a great atmosphere to be a part of. Yeah, the thing was, was I felt like we definitely would have gotten it in that Big East tournament, especially with the way that the regular season ended last year. Three teams split oh, yeah. the regular season title. Most, mm-hmm. you know, potential Seton Hall-Villanova rematch. Oh. 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 <laughs> you already know what that garden would have looked like before, during, and after. For It would have been a, a war scene for sure. Depending then, on who won. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And then – you know, we've always said that they never done the one-two matchup in the final, and last year would have been absolutely perfect for that. But alas, enough reminiscing about that. You know, enough onwards and forwards, Eugene. Yeah, and onwards, onwards and forwards. Texas this weekend, Virginia in a couple weeks, a bunch more games in between. Until that point comes, until we cross that bridge, 
We're going to deal with it. Let's answer some questions. Let's dive into the mailbag. Are you ready? Let's do it. First one from Chris Lane. How badly is Courtney Ramey going to torch us in a revenge spot? <laughs> oh, boy. 25. Well, 25. 25? 25. 25. You think he's upset? Yeah, that's probably a part of him. Too. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. The only thing that would make this, like, apocalyptic is if Javon Quinley transferred to Texas for a game and both of them went up against Villanova, they would probably combine for 80. <laughs> Javon Quinley sneaks into Texas. Calls up Courtney Ramey, gets in a jersey, puts on disguise, drops a bunch. Mm-hmm. It, you can totally see it happening. Courtney Ramey is definitely going to be a problem, though. I mean, that that's oh, we've seen what the athletic guards can do. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. guy is going to be a problem. And it you know it looks like he's having small sample size, but it looks like he's just continuing to leap forward and, and improve. For sure. And he's having some mild success from beyond the three-point line, too. So it's not – not only can he slash and all that stuff, he can he can shoot a little. So how many do you think he drops, Gene? Uh, eighteen, but he has it all in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like, you, pretty much he has it all in the in the second half. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he'll start off quiet. We'll lock him down, get a little comfortable, and then he'll probably turn up a notch after some sort of halftime adjustment. Of course. I think it'll be a pretty balanced game on their front, but he'll definitely lead the way yeah i mean coleman's gonna get his but coleman's also gonna get his he's gonna get his so you just gotta expect it at this point but maybe they kind of go the remy martin route and shut him down who knows exactly that's the thing too like so far the top options have been locked down like moses flowers from hartford um you've mentioned him already remy martin yeah the number one guys don't get to do much which is why i'm a little apprehensive but I can see him getting his in the second half or something. Right. Yeah. The second half adjustment is definitely going to come and that'll be the end of it. Hopefully it's not too bad. I'll say hopefully it's like, no. okay, I, I can respect the revenge spot, but at the same time, Nova got the win. That's all that matters. Right. I mean, Tracy Carter already had his revenge game. So you got 13. Well, that guy had like six chances at a revenge game. Right. But this was the final one, Eugene. And that's what matters most. Oh no. I was going to say, it's like a, a bad guy in the video game, just when you thought you beat the final boss and there was like three more <laughs> forms of him. <laughs> Next question is from Brendan Riley. What would Jay have to wear for you to question his fashion choices? I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever seen Jay wear shorts, like basketball shorts. I don't think I've ever seen his legs. I, I don't think know how I feel about seeing his legs. <laughs> 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 like I'm sure he's worn basketball shorts, but you know, I've seen him in sweatpants and, yeah, and like a sweatshirt, but that that to me didn't even you know he still looked fine. I mean, it's Jay, but I don't think I've ever seen his legs. It's Schrodinger's legs. You never see them, but they're there. Do you think uh, he floats? Like, does he float? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Gee, I, I I've definitely seen a golf video of him or two where he is wearing shorts. I think they showed it at the Big East tournament one time where mm-hmm. they had him out on a golf course, and I did. He does have legs. I can't confirm that, but. God, what would he have to wear to question like his choice in fashion? Nothing. He would make it a trend. Like he could wear whatever he wants on the sideline and and make it look cool. Yeah, and everyone else will follow suit. And, and it's not look thing. as cool. No, no, it'll be dollar store version of it. <laughs> <laughs> the man 
has no faults when it comes to that. Yeah, like I don't think I've ever seen – you know, we definitely caught him off guard around campus where a little relaxed fit, no three-piece suit. Right. He's flash. He does not go to sleep in a three-piece suit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything really. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he well, – probably just because he's a Villanova coach, but he only really wears the same colors <laughs> outside of a, a polo <laughs> here or there, or like a, you know, a different suit color. Right. Yeah. The man gets dressed up for Zoom meetings. I, that's all you need to know. He, he won't slack, but if he does, it, it's cool. I will say the beard, though, that, that I questioned when he had the beard. That was just strange. That was weird. I, I think that was just a quarantine experiment. That was definitely a quarantine experiment. Everybody was growing about. <laughs> then he realized, oh, I'm going to be on TV again. Can't have that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. to George Clooney a hundred times a day. Exactly, yeah. Clean shaven. Yeah. Although I think Clooney's kind of grown out of beard every so often. But, he does, once in a while. But Clean Shaven Jay gets more comparisons, I would say. Yeah. Next question is from John Palmay. It was nice to see a couple jams against Hartford. Samuel still plays tentatively even though he's a senior leader. Takes less shots than most of the team and is not aggressive getting to the rim. Do you think that's Jay's role for him or is that just his style of play? Oh, good question. I think I kind of kind of touched upon it. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit column A, column B, although I'm leaning more toward that's a style of play. I, I feel like he's always, ever since his freshman year, he's always been like this. Uh, I did say, though, that against in the Hartford recap that he was attacking the basket more noticeably. Now, granted, Hartford isn't exactly the best team, but he was getting to the rim and making the most of it. And I wish he would do that more, but I don't, remember when he first started getting like really good after like the Marquette game and he had like a couple of big games in sophomore year, we're like, Oh, we got to get him more involved, all that stuff. And then they like put the red light on. So like to that, I'll say that's like Jay's role for him. But then you see him like in a couple of games against like Virginia tech and against, I guess more so Boston college than Arizona state. It was just very passive, very passive. And I don't think that was Jay. I think that was just who he was and just kind of deferring to his teammates. But he has all the talent in the world to get to the rim. What, what do you think? I, I think it's more so him than Jay, but what, what do you think? Well, it's because, you know, it's only he only comes out for the big games. He's big game Jermaine. Right. No, I honestly think it's, it's probably a little bit of both. It seems like his role is kind of like the all-around – fill in where you need like he can rebound with the best of him he can play solid defense he can score when he needs to i don't know if it's his style of play because when he's on he's on we've seen it before right it probably is a little both of a and b just because you know jre we're seeing all american type or you know colin gillespie is kind of the guy who has the ball most of the time justin moore can also get a lot of touches it just seems like in the pecking order what is it like three or four and then if he's yeah. hot, then he goes up. Right, but like, why wouldn't you want to incorporate that anyway? Like, why would you want to put all your faith in those three or four guys? Well, obviously then, he doesn't. He doesn't have to. But I'm just saying, like, in a general, you know, if you had to put it in order of like who gets the the ball the most, like no, he's probably I, no, third or fourth. I I agree, but why not? Why not try it? Like the dude can can get to the rim if he wants to. And he'll hit the occasional open jumper, but I would prefer him not doing that. <laughs> I prefer him driving. It's it's always been a mystery since since day one. 
Well, well, in the beginning, it was definitely a confidence issue. Then he had the Marquette game, yeah. and then it was like all the doors opened. It did, but they, they put the red light on him like right after that, remember? Well, he was playing well. I thought he had a great postseason that same year. He did, but it just seemed like his, sh- his shooting was, I don't know. I can't get a read on it. Sometimes, every we always we always say the big Jermaine thing, and it it holds true so far. But and you know what? Maybe this is the game he comes out against Texas, and because this is a big game. But see him come out in the big game, and then it's like, all right, maybe he'll continue this for the next couple games, or you know, something something similar, you know. And it just never happens. It always reverts back to his old ways. And by in the old ways, I'm not saying that like a bad way. It's just like. It's just like his performances against Hartford. It's like four or five. It's not like the big Marquette box score, you know? Well, that Hartford game, though, it was like everybody was getting some love. No, he was. Yeah, he, yeah everybody was. I, I just want him involved more. I think it would help. We shall see. We shall see. But he's due for a big game. He's big game Jermaine. He is. This might be it. Next question is from Art Axe. Is inbounding the ball no longer a problem? <laughs> and to add to that, Spencer Langbean, Wentzman one, said, don't jinx it. And that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> Still very early. We're, we can't get ahead of ourselves now. This is only Please. four games in. We don't even know what the rest of the schedule looks like. We didn't even get to March yet. We don't know. But yeah. so far, I'm not going to say if it is or it isn't because I don't want to jinx it. But I, so far, I, so good. Next question from Matt Berger. Who are you more concerned about, Cosby Roundtree or Brian Antoine? Seems like both have been hit by the injury bug, and maybe it's time to be concerned about them being able to contribute and stay healthy this season. Chris, who are you more concerned about? Well, in terms of, like, debilitating injury, back-to-back shoulder problems for or Antoine is, like, bad. Like, that's really bad. It, it hurts a lot of athletes. Like, one of my favorite examples of that, Greg Bird, he had significant shoulder problems, got, had the surgery done, came back, was never the same. He a former Yankee baseball player. So... I'm not saying he can't come back from it, but like long term, that just scares the crap out of me. And I, I, I hope he gets healthy soon and it gets back out on the court. So, because he has all the potential in the world, as we all know, and him playing would significantly help this team. So, I would say long term, definitely him because of those shoulder injuries. I, I'm not exactly sure what DCR's injury is, though. What, what do you know what it, exactly it is? Have they released it? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a stress fracture in his shin. It was related to his problems with it. Like he's he had a procedure done that was successful after last season. You know, early on in the coronavirus pandemic or early on in the coronavirus pause, seemed fine, recovering fine, and then I I guess it compounded into a, a new injury, and now yeah. he's like out, and they're saying it should be around a month or more. Yeah. That's see that's that's awful too. Not that one injury is worse than another. Yeah, but they're both yeah, they're both they're not both ideal. Awful. Both yeah, both are not ideal. And I feel bad for him, like legitimately bad cuz like you can tell like the dude's been working to get back into the rotation and starting to get play some legit minutes and could honestly use him right now. And he's out. And he's a senior. So this is his last go around. He got robbed of last year because of corona and now this year you're hurt. Like I just feel awful. Like that just that just has to suck in so many well, ways. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing for me. Like you know, I can relate to Brian Antoine. I got, you know, I said like I said before, labrum, labrum. I got my shoulder surgery five years ago. Still not the same. But DCR, 
like you said, senior year, not ideal. Not only that, he's going to be out for a while longer. It's just an unfortunate situation. Like, we were hoping that, okay, we have now we understand why he didn't really seem like himself last year. Something was going on with his leg. Gets the surgery. Things are looking like they're all hunky-dory. He's going to be back this year. Then we get another setback, and it's going to be for a month more. I, I'm a little bit more concerned about that, whereas Brian Antoine's case right now, freak accident in practice, teammate falls on top of him because, of course, something crazy happens in practice. Jay says it's precautionary. I'm going to trust him on that. If it really is only precautionary, then that leads me to believe that it's not too serious. While Cosby Roundtree, I mean, you know, him being out for at least a month is, is going to be rough. Yeah, that's that's bad. That's bad. And despite his struggles, I would still love to see him out there. Yeah, yeah. And this kind of ties into another question we have, and this is from Summer Rob. He wants to know what's the latest on Brian Antoine's injury. The most recent I can say, or the most recent public update from Jay Wright was after that Virginia Tech game, or it might have been the day before it, actually. I don't remember which. All the Zoom calls just kind of blend in together but on it he just you know he discussed both dcr and antoine's injury situation he he said and it made it sound like that dcr situation was definitely more serious reinforced the idea that antoine is a little more precautionary i don't know if that means you know we see him against texas but he hasn't really practiced so i don't know if jay's gonna throw him in exactly against them but i have a feeling if i were to make a guesstimate we see him back in like a couple weeks I hope so. A man can only hope. I have a lot of hope in right now. And this last question is from KMAC, Nova Hoops 0304. Will Eric Dixon be the best left-handed big man in the J Wright era? Trying to think of any left-handed Any southpaws? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only lefty I can think of right off the top of my head is Jalen. Oh, big man, big man, big man. I know, I know. He's not a big man. Well, he plays like a big man. He plays is a big man. He plays like a big man. God. Sumter was a righty. He used to go. Sumter was a righty. Sheridan was a righty. Actually, no. Sheridan might have been a lefty. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think he kind of gets it by default. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head unless you got one, Eugene. Well, the thing is, is, you know, like you said, I, I haven't really paid attention to anyone's handedness because, I don't know, it feels like they could, they could finish with both hands. I know, obviously, you shoot with one over the other, but... Right. Yeah, I can't say I've really paid attention to the handedness. <laughs> Four games in? You're going you're gonna to commit, Chris? Uh, yeah, by default. <laughs> I, I hope that by the end of it, it, it certainly wouldn't leave to any interpretation so i, I think so, i yeah. can confidently say he'll have the best left-handed big man season as a first year player and i know he registered but this is first season so i feel like in the j right era i feel like he's got that in the back not too many guys get to play a lot in their first year yeah no for, for sure we're gonna have to get so, back we're gonna have to call it brandon honestly that guy would that guy would know the handedness of everybody <laughs> probably knows that, their blood types too well that that's the that's the archive master right there we're going to have to get back to you on that one, K-Mac. I, I am trying to think of – I'm going through, like, all the teams, and I cannot think of one. There's 
There's probably like Moof was a righty. Yeah, Moof was a righty. Javon was a righty. Was a Chef was a righty. Yeah. The We're gonna have to like I go can... into the art, like the photo archives of each game now, and see, see, you know, who's shooting a, a foul shot with their left hand. <laughs> I, I honestly, I I think Will Sheridan might have been a lefty. I think that's the only one that I can think of. I'm like more than certain more about this was a righty than the other ones. I am because now it's because it's aggravating me. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be thinking about this for a while. I'll, I'll find. We'll we'll get back to you. Maybe maybe we'll do a follow up next. Maybe episode. is it a trick question? Like, were there no left-handed big men? <laughs> so, so now now Send they're me into a panic. Yeah, it was all a trick. <laughs> See, I'm watching a Will Sheridan basketball highlight video right now, and everyone is underneath the rim, so he's not shooting. <laughs> need him to step up to the free throw line one time. I don't know if the high if the free throw is going to make the highlight pack. Damn. But you know what? Yes. By the end of it, when it's all said and done, he will be, he will be the best. All right. And there you have it. That's it for Crowded Mailbag. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can do so at View Hoops. You can find us on Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean. You've got many, many options. Check back and check often on the site, viewhoops.com. We're always pumping content. We're going to have a preview of the game, recap of the game, some thoughts and takeaways later eventually. Not only that, make sure to follow View Hoops on social media. You can do so at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. And also like our page on Facebook. Chris, anything you want to promote? No, but I did find out Will Sheridan was a righty. So, yes. Oh, Will there be we the go. best there we go. lefty in the J-right era. That is also over six, seven, I guess. What if Marcus Kennedy was a lefty? I'll, I'll, I'll roll the dice on that. I'll, <laughs> and I'll still say he's better. No, no, no. I wouldn't say he counts. I wouldn't say he counts. <laughs> he didn't no. stay. He didn't stay. He didn't stay. No, he did not. He left SMU. But I have nothing to promote. Uh, everyone just stay safe, and hopefully we get this dub Sunday. Yeah, man can only hope. Everybody have a good weekend catch you back on Tuesday. Hopefully we'll have some good news to report. Let's beat those Longhorns. <laughs>